Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023, Anno Domine. Today's top story, it's a question that I have. Should America be a global empire or a regional great power? We're going to get into it next. California's Dream for All program apparently has run out of money in just 12 days. And finally, a new poll is out from Rasmussen on January 6th, 65% of Americans now believe that the federal government had a role to play in that day's events. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling, trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. What are some of the big uh, projects and push that we've seen from Beijing in LATAM? We're seeing a big variety of them. Uh, our story takes a look at a, a very remote province of Argentina, pronounced Hui, and we're seeing massive solar panels uh, and, and mining projects to extract lithium. But we also go travel to Sao Paulo, where we where it's more of an indirect. Uh, the energy giant State Grid owns the the, the power distribu- distribution company that po- gives uh, electricity to over t- you know, 10 million Brazilians' homes. So we're seeing a huge infrastructure and investment um, on behalf of Beijing, both in the private and public level across South America. And we're seeing it um, not just at federal levels, but as the story and you, you described, we're seeing a big local push. Governors are traveling to Shanghai. Uh, mayors are cutting cutting deal. Um, battery battery plants are being built uh, in suburbs. It's It's really widespread across the continent now. Is the United States a global empire? Should the United States be a global empire? So the United States, believe it or not, is a country with um, split personality disorder. And here's what I mean by that. When it comes to the international space, you've got some people in the country right now trying to push, and for years, specifically since the fall of the Soviet Union, trying to turn the United States into this global empire and chasing this dream of global empire. However, comma, Does that actually fit? Should the United States be a global empire? Are we properly situated to be a global empire? Now, we talk a lot about how the system of globalization has made America's elites unbelievably wealthy, absolutely insanely wealthy. If you're at the head of one of these businesses where you are be able to utilize the slave labor of China, uh, whether you be Amazon or um, Silicon Valley or the farm, absolutely the pharmaceutical industry, you are making money hand over fist. Of course, the middle of the United States and the south of the United States and so many of our countries, so many of our, our cities, our towns, the Rust Belt have been completely and utterly gutted by this. And so the question before us becomes, does this make sense? In the meanwhile, we've also, in pursuit of this goal, gotten involved in adventurous wars, Uh, We've gotten involved in pushing woke ideology throughout the world, uh, trying to use universalist colonization in the sense. It's it's funny that the same people who would complain about Christian colonization also are trying to terraform the entire world to accept woke ideologies. You're seeing that as well. But you've got other people who point out and say, like, of course, 
former President Trump, who say the United States should be more of a regional power, that when it comes to things that are far beyond our sphere of influence, we should seek partners and allies in those areas, whether it be Europe, whether it be Asia, whether it be the Middle East, and work through those coalitions in order to achieve the best outcome for the United States. However, our focus should more be on our regional hemisphere. And so I see this piece out of the Washington Times today, and it says, losing Latin America, the United States retreats while China's communist rulers advance. And this is an op-ed by Cliff May. And it goes through, now Cliff is the founder and president of the Foundation for Demence of Democracies. And so when I look at this, I basically say, you know, the FDD, they're a hawk, to be sure. But I basically say, we need a little of both. So just because you say you're America first, that doesn't mean you're America only. It also doesn't mean that you should not pay attention to what's going on in your backyard. And so what I'm going to come out and say, the way I view it is, it is not in America's best policy to have an America only standpoint, particularly when it comes to countries that are at our back door. You look what's going on on the border right now, if we even have one at the South. Uh, massive clashes with drug organizations, the cartels that are taking place on both sides of the border. It's essentially cross-border warfare that's going on right now. Massive surges of migrants and caravans that are coming up through the Darien Gap. Uh, we're even seeing Chinese nationals coming up through those same caravans now, uh, thousands of them. If you look at some of the videos that Michael Yan's been putting out, some of the reporting, incredible reporting that he's been doing, uh, Ben Burkwam as well for Real America's Voice has been doing it. And I highly encourage you to follow both of them if you want that nitty gritty level of detail. But my point is that for all the time that we spend getting involved in border disputes, territorial disputes, as Governor DeSantis called it, uh, between Ukraine and Russia, why aren't we getting involved in things that are directly happening in our backyard that are actually affecting Americans? Because you know what? That absolutely does have a direct effect on the people who are living here right now. People of Arizona, the people of New Mexico, the people of Southern California, the people of Texas, go, it goes on and on. And then it spreads throughout the entire country. The competition for low wage workers because we decided to open the floodgates. And so when it comes to those countries, when it comes to the regional powers, I've been super critical, massively critical of the United States foreign policy establishment for allowing Mexico our closest neighbor, along with Canada, to get involved with BRICS. If Mexico enters BRICS, that is a rival parallel economic alliance. And we're going to let our direct neighbor get involved in this? Are you serious? The United States is in a very dangerous position right now because in the pursuit of empire, we're not only losing that status, because it's not going to happen, I'll tell you right now, this global American empire status, we're also losing regional influence at the same time because we're stretched too thin. And there's too many people making too much money to actually care or do anything about it. America needs to return to an America first perspective, which does include making sure that we pay attention to these regional influence operations. Folks, it's hard to trust anything or anyone these days. Our most important institutions are being systematically destroyed. Are you prepared for the worst? 
True freedom comes with self-reliance, and that means having a solid supply of emergency food on hand right now. My Patriot Supply is kicking $200 off their popular three-month emergency food kit. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and grab the special price before it ends. Your three-month emergency food kit provides over 2,000 calories each day for optimal strength and energy in stressful situations. Best of all, it's delicious. Your entire family will love it. Enjoy a wide variety of breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. Listen, you'll be very glad to have this food when disaster strikes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save $200 on each kit your family needs. Be sure to get one kit per person. Don't put off preparedness any longer. Tomorrow may be too late. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com. Mortgage rates, they've essentially doubled over the past year. And as the ability to afford a house slips farther out of reach for many working people, the state of California is stepping in to help struggling home buyers. As KPIX5's John Ramos reports, a new program hopes to put a down payment on the state's future. The price of homes in the Bay Area is high enough, but if you don't have the cash to put down a hefty down payment, it can cost a lot more and put home ownership out of the reach of a lot of people. The median sales price of a house in California reached $786,000 last year. That's a pretty modest home in the Bay Area. But even on that, a 20% down payment would be more than $157,000. There are loans that require a smaller down payment, some as low as 3.5%, but you'll pay a lot more for the loan. And mortgage banker Roger Smith says there's one more drawback. Recently, without a 20% down payment, you really your your offer is hardly even considered. California dreams have been shuttered, and unfortunately, yes, the dream is over. The California Dream for All loan program has already run out of money in just 12 days. What's going on with this? So it turns out that Margaret Thatcher was right. Socialism only works until you run out of other people's money. Demand for California's new down payment aid program overloaded the system, depleting $300 million in less than 12 days, but only assisting 2,400 people. It's like, do socialists actually ever understand math? That, I think that is actually the biggest difference between someone who's a socialist and someone who's a capitalist, someone who's a conservative. Uh, it's, it's that it's just math. It's just understanding math. They don't actually realize that the government can't do all things for all, for all people. That being said, I'm totally fine with the California government going bankrupt. Please continue to pour more money into this program, California. Please put all of your taxpayer dollars in this folks. Let me just say something right now. I'm all for the collapse of California, all for it. And in fact, the state of California is too big anyway. It should be separated into at least two states, north, south, possibly four states when it really comes down to it. It's way too big. I mean, the fact that you can fly for that many hours and then still be in the same state. Nah, man, like I, I come from the East Coast and we don't do things like that. And I understand that it wasn't as populated as it was before. But now that it is. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, the people who live in Northern California should not be represented in the Senate by the people from L.A. Just it's silly. Same with the governorship. But you look at this. The California Housing Finance Agency recently announced the California Dream for All Shared Appreciation Loan. And what they were trying to do here, and Zero Hedge has this piece highlighted, they wrote, we're off to a strong start. We can't truly make a difference in opening the doors to building generational wealth for Californians 
especially those who have historically faced systemic barriers to homeownership without sustained funding for the program. So they're asking for money already. They're asking for more money. They're going for $500 million, um, and the state's already got a $25 billion deficit. They're already in the hole for $25 billion. And keep in mind, Gavin Newsom, who wants to run for president, is, of course, using this as a way to say, look, I essentially gave reparations. So he's using it. He's been trying to do this. He's been trying to do it at the local level in San Francisco and other places. This is a statewide level. He wants to be able to run for president and say, I enacted reparations. Now, some of the programs don't always come in the same way. And so he's got to be able to find, OK, uh, you know, call it housing, call it because it's hard to get a bill just passed called reparations, not direct checks. But you don't make a direct check. So what do you do? You use housing loans that help people who faced systemic barriers historically, right? So he's going to, it's sort of a backdoor reparations program. However, we have a, here's a tweet from uh, Juan Rohan. What does he say? This makes me sad. For the California Dream for All program, here's the demographics. 65% of initial buyers identified as white, 18% as Asian, 4% as black, 1% as Native, Native Hawaiian or other Native uh, Pacific Islanders, and 1% American Indian or Alaskan Native. Wait, did he just say American Indian? Because I thought he was saying Native American. Careful, Juwan. Careful. And then um, of that, 62% Hispanic and 35% not. And he wrote, the numbers for our people are so low, it's simply because the lack of education. Lots of colored people just don't know about these opportunities. My goal is to educate our people. Okay, you said it, not me. Uh, Gavin Newsom, here's the question. Your program's a complete failure. So just like any other good socialist, here's what you're going to have to do. Just keep pouring money into it. Just keep pouring taxpayer dollars. And then keep in mind that the, the companies of California that are going to have to put the bill for this ultimately are the Silicon Valley oligarchs, which is great. Bleed them, bleed Hollywood. I couldn't be happier. I couldn't have, I couldn't be happier than hearing this than the day I was when the Silicon Valley development back failed. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I don't like when banks fail. I don't think that's good. Obviously, that's not great for the people who have money in there. But at the same time, we have a country to win. And if you're someone who's dedicated to the destruction of this republic, who's dedicated to the, the downgrading and the destruction of this country, then yeah, we are going to bleed you. And it's simple as that. When it's like when the Guardian was coming after me or a salon or what, I don't even remember which hit piece it was. And they said, Jack Posobiec has called for a run on the banks. If Donald Trump is indicted, it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. We're not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here with us and we're not going anywhere. I'm going to remind you of that every single chance we get. Here's the other kicker, and producer Angelo was just saying this to me, that if you look at the structure of this program, they say, oh, it's built on generational wealth, but here's the thing. So we're gonna, we're gonna provide generational wealth through home ownership, and that's, the, that's what the plan calls for. But if you dig into the nuts and bolts of this thing, like the producers here at Human Events Daily did, you find that if you sell the house, right? So that's what we're talking about generational wealth. It's the idea that the home appreciates, then you sell the home, and then that wealth is then passed on to your kids. They'll go into their kids. They'll do better. They'll move from lower class to upper class, et cetera. That's how you get income mobility in the United States. Go read some Thomas Sowell if you want to learn more about that. But then here's the thing. You still need to pay back that down payment plus interest to the government. All of these people do when they go to sell the house. So the state is cutting into those needs right there. So this idea that it's going to be used to build generational wealth, no. 
it's a way of getting more people on the hook for the state. That's what they're doing. It's very clear that's what they're doing. They don't have enough money to do it because more and more people are going to do the same thing that we see on all the speculators are going to get involved. You're going to have all sorts of people that are registering. They're going to say, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm that. By the way, if you're in California, go ahead and sign up for this program. What are they going to do? Check? They're going to check. Go ahead, get your money, get paid, go get paid, go walk up and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Hispanic. Give me the money. I'm whatever. Give me the money. Right. What are they going to do? DNA test 23 and me? No, because that also is racist. So you've got to walk in and you've got to say, with your head held high and say, California, pay me the money. And Gavin Newsom is going to have to do it because again, folks, we are going to bleed you. Have a nice day. This latest NBC News poll shows some pretty interesting findings that may actually pose a challenge for the January 6th committee. What are they? Yeah, the big takeaway, Morgan, is that the the passage of time has actually benefited the former president, at least in perceptions about his role in the January 6th attack. Our poll shows that just 45 percent of Americans believe that Donald Trump was solely or mainly responsible for the violence uh, and the uh, rioting on that day. Um, That's down from 52 percent when our poll asked that question just the days after the January 6th attacks. And one probably one big explanation is that we haven't had a whole lot of public committees. It's been months since the January 6th committee ended up holding uh, public uh, uh, hearings on this. And it will be interesting to see in the months ahead and in the future surveys, Morgan, if those numbers start to kind of go back to what we ended up seeing in January of 2021. January 6th, was it a Fed's erection? Was it an intelligence failure or an intelligence operation? That is the question before us. And that's the question that Rasmussen just asked in a new poll of U.S. likely voters conducted between April 12th and 13th and 16th by Rasmussen reports. And this comes on the heels of Tucker Carlson. Finally, after years of this being held up by Nancy Pelosi and the January 6th committee, he was given access to the full camera footage and was able to pull out key details regarding Jacob Chantley, the so-called QAnon shaman, Ashley Babbitt, as well as Brian Sicknick, who was not beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. It turns out that he was actually seen walking through Statuary Hall after that incident supposedly took place. So after these videos that came out, which show that they were extremely persuasive, the numbers have gone up, folks. Now, when you look at it, it says 65. Okay, how likely is it that the undercover government agents helped provoke the the Capitol riot? 65% of registered voters now say it is likely that government agents were involved. And believe it or not, we see the same. Funny enough, um, you know, I'm just going to say it, that when you look at the breakdown by race, it actually says that black Americans view it as more likely than white Americans that the federal government was involved. So go and look at that. Next, uh, it goes into Democrat, Republican, Independent, and even the numbers with Democrats, it's above 50%, 59% of Democrats, 74% of Republicans, massive numbers, um, 60% of, 60, 62% of 
independents view it the same way. This is a, this is a coup. This, this is the real coup. This is a coup over the story, right? This is a coup over the narrative. This is a coup, a coup over the January 6th committee when you see that this many people view it as likely. They've all said they watched it. So many people have seen these views. It is now the minority view. It is now the minority view. You know, <laughs> pun not intended on a being coup, but it is now of the minority view that it was actually an insurrection that took place, believe it or not. And this comes at the very same time that, and Revolver News has the story up, it says the Biden regime's seven-year prison sentence for the Green Beret Gen 6 whistleblower is reopening the festering wounds of the Fed's erection. This was the guy, Jeremy Brown, who went public with a recording that he made of JTTF and DHS agents trying to recruit it. I remember this video. I remember this video when it came out. And it came out, and look at this. Sadly yet predictably, Jeremy Brown may have to suffer the same fate as Julian Assange and other brave souls who dared to expose the regime corruption. Earlier this month, this his the Biden regime politically weaponized Justice Department sentenced Jeremy Brown to 87 months in federal prison, three years of supervised release for, quote, possession of unregistered short barrel firearms, possession of unregistered explosive grenades, improper storage of explosive grenades, and I mean, they're and it's claimed that he had classified information. They are going after him. They're throwing the book at him for all of this because he refused to be a source for them in the January 6th. They wanted this guy to go over undercover for them. They wanted to him to be one of their informants like everybody else. And yet we can see this is now the true scandal. This is not the cooked up weapons charges. And look at some of this stuff, right? Um, he denies the grenade charge. During the course of the trial, they were able to not even to find his prints on the grenades. Um, he thinks that the grenades were planted at some point. I think you would know if you had grenades in your house. He was actually found not guilty for four classified document charges relating to a CD-ROM labeled secret um, that, that he had also never seen before. Okay? So they've trumped up charges on this guy because what did he do? He went after them and exposed the fact that this was a, a Fed surrection. I'm looking at the Revolver News article on it. You know what I still haven't seen, folks? I've been looking at this since, I want to say January 7th of 2021. There is a video. There's a video of the, I'm not just talking about Ray Epps. There is a video of the guy cutting the fence. Go to the Revolver News article. You can see the video. This guy has got a hat on. He walks up nonchalantly, knows exactly what he's doing, knows it goes right about his business. He cuts the fence as the crowd arrives. The crowd then pours through where the fence was and he wraps it up, kind of looks around a little bit. You can see his face. You should be able to use, they should be able to use the feds facial recognition to find him in an instant to identify him, find exactly who he is. But you know what? You don't have to identify your own agents because here's my question. Why have I never once seen this guy identified? Why have we never once seen this guy charged for all the reporters who were there, for all the people who were there, for all the committee investigations, supposedly there's been of this. I have a simple question. Why have we yet to see the charge of the guy who cut the fence? It should be a simple charge, right? right? Because this wasn't just walking on the lawn. It wasn't walking through the Capitol. No, this guy's actually cutting down the barricades cutting down the fences. It's like a, like a, like a, a metal fence that had been erected. And he's cutting it down. So I've been waiting every single day since I've seen that video. Out of all the people 
that have been arrested, indicted, convicted, sentenced, et cetera, for January 6th. Why have we not seen one single charge on the man who cut down the fence? It's simple as that. You know who else you've ever seen charge for is Ray Epps. In fact, the New York Times is running profiles of Ray Epps, puff pieces, the January 6th committee running cover for him, little Adam Kinzinger pretending like he was his own personal lawyer or something. It don't pass the POSO smell test. Something is wrong. Something has always been wrong with this. I've always said and been very clear about this, that I do think that there were agitators involved. Were they federal agents? I don't know for sure. But I do know at this point, that seems to be the most likely scenario. And it turns out that most of America believes with me. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.